BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be sharing a conversation slash interview that I had with someone that I met through this thing I do called the Infinite Spark of Being. Um, She's someone who'd like to remain anonymous, but she reached out through Instagram. Um, She was asking about the Sunday classes being on Zoom and also shared with me the fact that her fiance had passed away a few months ago and that she was struggling to deal with it. Um, And it called her faith into question. Basically, she took my invitation seriously. Um, She was seeking, looking for answers, and she reached out. Well, um, I don't know how many answers she got, but we did talk a few times. Um, I found her story so compelling that I wanted to share it. as I know a number of you have had similar experiences that she's had, and I myself have been wanting to have this conversation as well with someone. Um, We also, at a different time, did a grief and loss session together to move the grief a bit. Um, It was the first time I attempted something like that through Zoom, uh, which was nice to see that it can translate through that. Um, and kudos to her for trusting me. So we're going to call this episode a loss of faith. But before we get into all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all that that entails, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com where you can find links to the books, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, and art prints, as well as the Patreon link that will allow you to pledge $1 or $5 a month to the Infinite Spark of Being to help me keep this thing going. Um, Also, Don't forget, if you're in the South Florida area, I will be talking and teaching at the Metaphysical Healing Institute of Palm Beach in Lantana. This is every other Saturday night. Um, This next installment will be on the 18th of December, uh, where I'll be talking about what the mind is. So here we are, a loss of faith. 
So something happened to you. Yeah. Um, a few months back, what happened to you? Um, my fiance, who I had been with for um, a long time, um, died from a very cruel and brutal disease that um, was really quick moving. And we thought at the original diagnosis that it would be something while bleak would be manageable. Um, and the original like prognosis, I guess, like if you were to Google it is three to five years um, life expectancy on oxygen, like all this stuff, because his disease affected his lungs. And we thought that we caught it in time. And uh, fast forward six months later, and he was dead, um, essentially from complications that came out of that. Um, and, and it was pretty much a rare autoimmune thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, less than like three people per million have this. And so they don't really know a whole lot about it. And we, we've talked before, we've talked a bit. Yeah. So I know you and you'll, you'll stay anonymous. Um, I didn't know you before this though. Correct. You reached out, you asked if I was gonna make the classes on Saturdays <laughs> on Zoom and you Would saw you? what it took for me to record this. So that's clearly not gonna be a thing. Right. Um, right. No, not yet anyway. But, um, but this, this disease is an autoimmune disease. It was rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from what I understand, it was the last two months that things really took a shit. Yeah, they did. And yeah. um, in his, <clears throat> after he died, um, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't even say that, you know, I couldn't say that he died. I couldn't say that he, you know, was dead. I would use softer words like transitioned or moved on. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't believe it. But um, I, you know, it was just pretty much hungry for any sort of content or thing I could read, thing I could watch. And it, you know, that's kind of how I ended up finding the infinite spark of being, you know, as I just uh, had been consuming enough that my, that dumb little algorithm served it up. And I- We never talked about that. Like how you- No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like just diving headfirst into like all this grief content. Cause I was like, I knew when he was dying that like I, I knew that it was about to happen when when we finally got to that point and I was like, all right, if I have any intention of making it through this alive myself, <laughs> I'm gonna have to really, really try to find some sort of sense that I could swallow and deal with um, from what happened. And so as silly as it sounds, that's that's how it started, right? Was I was just like pouring over anything I could find about people who'd been through something similar, like. I'd lost people in my life before, but not like this. You said something interesting. I was like, you said grief content. And I think that's interesting because it goes to, it, it I mean, we all know that, uh, that our culture is a horrible job of um, <laughs> even like talking about the fact that we're all going to die one day. Um, it's one of those things that's in it. Like it's literally the thing that kind of separates us from other animals that we know will die. Like they do, other animals do a lot of things to prevent themselves from dying. I mean, truthfully, I haven't asked a zebra lately, so maybe they do know <laughs> right. what the fuck I do, to be honest. Right. I mean, it was kind of what we assume that we're the only ones that know we're actually going to cease to exist. And that terrifies us. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's almost, it's almost Grief scarier when it's the person you love the most. Right. Cause you're like, 
I can handle dying because I'm not going to know I'm going to be dead. <laughs> like, what, do, what does it matter for me? But when I'm trying to kind of understand, like, you know, this beautiful, vibrant, adventurous, brave, you know, someone with so much, for lack of a better word, like soulfulness, I just, the thought of him ceasing to be in my realm at all just seemed completely unfathomable. And the context that I grew up with in the, you know, Christian religion was that, you know, he was, I would see him again one day, right? Like that I'd see him in heaven and that I could rest easy knowing that I'd be reunited with him. And then you get there and you're like, that doesn't fucking help. That doesn't help. And it, it doesn't explain the weird shit that happened after. It didn't explain the weird shit I was experiencing after. It didn't explain the so so much and so i had this the context i had around death was just completely inadequate and i yeah if i'm not if i'm not yeah yeah a lot of it's a lot of it seems um is i grew up in a baptist church yeah i think my mother did a good job of um preparing me for things because she forced me to go to every funeral and every viewing of anyone she ever knew like as a kid so like I was always drug around to these funerals and she was walking me up to the casket and like it's funny my mom's biggest fear was what she that this is my mother speaking so please save the email (laughs) paper um my mother's biggest fear was me being a quote-unquote sissy Right. That was her biggest fear. Yeah. Well, she was a depression era person. It's just the worst. Like, yeah, I don't want you to be a a wimp. So she was scared. So some of the stuff she did like odd at the time, but I'm kind of glad she did it. But um, so we grew up in this, this structure and that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you because when we've talked, you've been so articulate about it. Um, When I, you know, kind of, decided that that wasn't the the trip I was into I was kind of mad but I was mad I was but I was mad as a 19 year old kid and you're (laughs) just mad as like a how old are you almost 30 20 yeah you're you're mad as a 29 year old woman which sounds better (laughs) than some idiot kid just yelling about Jesus in the church um but what you said, there was no adequate way to explain it. Yeah. yeah. That it was, you know, all part of God's plan. And, and and the hardest part too, the hardest part wasn't being ill-equipped to handle the death itself. Okay. The hardest part was being so fucking mad at God. I, I'm done. I'm done trying to fit my <clears throat> my experience into this box. Yeah. That obviously, I'm outgrowing. Yeah. I'm not going to try to make my grief live inside this like prison of my past experience because it didn't serve me anymore. I feel like a, like every system has a box. Yeah. And that's the that's the problem. And I, I try to think of all of them as like. Like people are just asking me like, you know, what am I? And I'm a hodgepodge of a lot of things. I've spent a lot of time in a lot of things, 
um, I find benefit in those things, but like, I don't know, man, I, I feel like everything's got a, it's like a container, you know, and the yeah. container is only so big and we start having experiences, mystical, paranormal, whatever. And it starts bumping up against this stuff. And the reason that you are so interesting to me is that you have thrown yourself into it like to a, a, like the most painful shit like you've gone there and it's impressive to me because I deal with a lot of people that are dealing with grief and loss at work and like you've been as fearless and badass yeah I mean when you have nothing to lose I lost my partner right yeah. I yeah. lost the religious framework I grew up with I lost my ability to connect with people who were still in that. I lost, everything has changed. So what was being said to you by those around you that was, you're already laughing, that was so, um, that was so like. Offensive or. Yeah, just, I love the word offensive. So yeah. offensive because. It, it, you're, you're in a situation that, you know, not everybody goes like my mom went through it after 45 years, you know what I mean? And, but you being in that situation, yeah, it's so hard to, you know, you're 30. Yeah. I was getting a lot of, um, I was getting a lot of like grief devotionals. What is um, that? A lot of, so a, like a devotional right about like, you know what a devotional is? No. Okay. Okay. I, so, well, I mean, I, I grew up in the Baptist you also, church. Yeah. But you know, here's the thing. You're an adult in a Baptist church. I was a t an angry teenager in a Baptist church, abused in a Baptist church. Like, I wasn't yeah. paying attention. So it's like, like a, like a Bible study, right? Like a DIY Bible study. It's like, here's a book. You're not in a group. You're not in like a, you know, it's not your Sunday school class, but it's like a, you know, a, a, tool with which like some author some other person is kind of like interpreting the bible right and it's like you know they do devotionals on like how to be a godly woman and like how to be a better spouse and how you to just, be do you just mean essays no they like have like little journals like yeah but it's like but it's like, about, like but it gives you like specific scripture it's like here's a scripture for this oh, now write what okay. you do oh 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 Pray this on this this day, this thirty day devotional or whatever. A journaling exercise, like that would show up. Yeah, but it comes with this like journal. This, I'm just this, <laughs> like I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of how to describe this. So, like it's like okay, you're going through something specific. Let me pull out all of the scripture. Let me analyze it. Let me tell you like this is what God's trying to tell you out of this. This is what you're, so it's very, usually very specific to like a, a certain circumstance or, or, or purpose. So I'm getting these, these books, these devotionals on, on grief. And it's like, okay. I don't want to fucking hear about the God. I don't believe in anymore. I Whoa. don't want to hear about this God that allowed my, in, in, in my, in my my frame of mind at the time you know i'm like god didn't show up this is interesting to me okay because i don't know where you're at right now i'm assuming you're speaking from at that time you're feeling this kind of way 
So can I, okay, you, you know, I'll just ask you. Yeah. So um, yeah. I'm just thinking about other, I'm just trying not to offend everybody that might hear this. <laughs> sure. So what did you want God to do? So in the, in, in the, in the Bible, right. In the scripture, right. It's like, you know, um, like ask for something as if you already have it and the Lord will make it. So that was like the background on my phone for the duration of my partner's diagnosis, right. Is that I just fucking prayed every day that this would be, I am speaking it into existence. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Why does your, why does your person get to live? Cause you asked hard enough. Yeah. Right. That's what I thought. There's By like the, the way, anything... if you're listening to this, uh, we're cool. Like, yeah, I, like, yeah, I'm not like beating her over no. the head or something. Like, no, <laughs> we've no. talked before. But it's like you know, if God, if the God I grew up believing in and hearing about was capable right. of miracles, and was capable of intervening, and was capable of healing the sick, and and all of that stuff. It wasn't, I wasn't going to go down for lack of trying. I, I did. The, the question I was, when I asked you, was like, what does, and this is, this is interesting. I, oh man. See, every time we would talk, I'm like, nope, wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, this is, this is going to be an interesting conversation. What I find interesting, what did his illness have to do with you? I think there's two parts to that. Okay. So the first is there is, and I'm not getting emotional. There is nothing more painful than watching the absolute light of your life die in slow motion. Yeah. It is, it is brutal. It's not like he, you know, was like wrecked doing something fucking cool or like he got you know it wasn't like wrecked that it was like, doing something fucking yeah i mean he raced like cars, jumping right? a school bus on a motorcycle i don't know like you didn't it's not like the, the parachute didn't deploy when you were skydiving i but I, what i what i always find interesting is what the mind is doing right yeah. that it's that this and this is my you know belief or this is like yeah what does this soul's curriculum, right? So it's like, it's a question, I may have mentioned this in one of the episodes. So my dad was dying and his friend goes, it's just a shame. Yeah. And my dad goes, how would you prefer this happens? Yeah. yeah. Like, how did you, you know, cause it's like, when we ask these things, you know, like he, he's in this horrible situation with this very strange illness. Yeah. Right. And you said at the beginning that, that best case scenario is like my dad called his, his air tank, a, his scuba tank. Yeah. 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 He was like, he's like, this is my scuba tank. I just don't get to go underwater with it. So <laughs> he essentially would live like an on land scuba diver. And, well, and it, the other part yeah. though, the other part is, so even initial like, um prognosis right i, I fucking googled, googled it when we found out what was going on and so i in in those the two weeks between we got the diagnosis yeah. and meeting with the specialist i came to terms with the fact that we're not going to have a lot of time 
then we met with the specialist and she she insinuated now i don't even want to say insinuated she said she said that in his case she believed it to be treatable that we caught it early enough most people with this disease don't catch it until like five or six years down the road and that's why the the prognosis is so poor she was like we had her and then a pulmonologist a special a specialty pulmonologist and they both were like you're in a really good place and, and you're going to be okay so oh, I, was, I feel yeah. Oh, fuck. yeah so so i was i worked through all of that for two weeks and then was like oh my god god is listening god hears our prayers god is showing up in all of this right yours so i your prayers yeah, that's, nobody else's prayer. that's what i find so interesting about it like when we start praying like i did the same thing in my life like i get it so to answer your original question like what was that like so the the the, set, the first part is watching the love of my life die an excruciatingly slow death hoping it was going to get better uh, watching his body go through that just from like a compassionate standpoint is like it was awful it was awful just out of like even removing myself as his partner from it was like, that's horrible. Then there's the part that is the partner, right? The one that expected to get married, that expected to have kids, that expected to have him for the rest of, you know, maybe not the rest of my life, but at least past six months, you know, I thought that. And so then I'm also mourning what I wanted. I remember standing in my parents' kitchen after he died. And I was like, why, why didn't God choose to save him? Why wasn't his plan for my partner to live? Why was that not the plan? You know, what, what God <laughs> would allow in all his infinite wisdom? And I remember this quote that I heard from a, um, um, a leader a long time ago that was like God allows in his wisdom what he could prevent in his power what yeah right God lets things happen because he knows there's a greater good even though he could prevent them from happening oh, and I remember like thinking, trap. yeah it's it, like is. One it trap. is it's like there's all these like mind traps yeah it's like it's like God lets shitty things happen because there's a there's a greater good and I remember thinking about my partner and we thought for a long time before he got like the last two months, we were like, man, if he can be, he was part of like clinical research studies. He was right. being, yeah. his case was being studied by people across the country. Yeah. He didn't have long enough for it to even matter. There was no silver lining that came out of it. And so then I started asking like, okay, well, what about, let's take my partner out of it. Wait, what about like, question? question? When you yeah. said no silver lining, that was you at the time, or is that you now? My, me at the time. Me at the time. Was that we were like, maybe him going through this can help get more research, right. get more information. Yeah. Right. He was supposed to start a drug that was $10,000 a month, some experimental thing, but he didn't get to it because he died. Um, we're like, maybe there's a greater good here for you going through this well he died before it could have even mattered is, is he having those conversations with you yeah there were those two weeks between we knew something was really bad but we didn't yeah. 
hadn't seen a specialist yet. And we, after meeting her for the first time, feeling like we were in a really like safe place, all things considered. I remember us being in the car and um, we were, sorry, we were finally talking about the things we hadn't been able to say to each other for the last two weeks because they were too terrifying. Right. And he was like, you know, I was wondering if it was even fair to get married to you so that you'd have to deal with that. I, he was like, I was wondering like what my bucket list would be, you know, and, and we get home and the, the next morning, so we like kind of digest that. And the next morning we're having coffee out on our porch and we were just like, that could have been, this could have been really bad. And um, you know, at 32, he was able to look at me and be like, you know, I wouldn't change a thing I've done with my life. He's like, I don't have any regrets. He's like, you know, I've, I've lived a great adventure. I've had great friends. I've had hobbies and passions I've loved. I've, I've known love with you. There's nothing I would do differently except to have more time with you. And I'm so glad I get to do that. And I'm not going to take it for granted. And um, that was in April and he was dead by September you know, and, um, how cool that, like, how cool, and he got to, you know, it's wild, my, my dad said stuff like that, but he was 70, (laughs) you know, he got to say that at 32, how wild is that, wow, and so a huge part of me jumping off the cliff with all of this is like, I want to be able to say the same thing. I want to be able to say the same thing. And I refuse to be limited by anything anymore. And and one of the biggest parts of that was my, was my religion, right. And, and dealing with his death and, and processing that. And I just am, if it hadn't been for him looking at me on our porch saying that, he didn't have anything he regretted. I don't think I'd have the courage to fucking bite the bullet now and just do it because I know for a fact that life can change in an instant. And what I know about you at this point is that you mean that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. That you, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, like your courage is fucking cool. This was the, the massive initiation right or the shift to completely change you've been reading that book book. (laughs) but like i'm just i'm not i refuse to waste my life i'm not Uh, by the way that book is after the ecstasy the laundry which i'm pretty sure i've mentioned in just about every episode yeah it's one of those books man yeah how interesting that he got to say that to you, that he got to even feel that and look at it. And that's so neat. It wow. is. And it's, it has been, um, there've been two things that have been a, a real practical relief for me as his partner. Um, right. Knowing that, knowing that he didn't right. die with the list of things he wanted to do. He, God, he, can you imagine? That would be horrible. It'd be horrible. Yeah. There's that and the fact that he is no longer in this body that was killing him from the inside out. 
Why do you think, because you've told me some of the things that, you know, when someone would look at you and go, well, uh, God has a plan. I don't have the intestinal fortitude <laughs> to look at somebody in that state like, hey, God has a plan. What do you think their motivation was in saying that to you? And if you, and anybody listening, if you've ever said this to somebody, I want you to hear what her response is, please. They're trying to make themselves feel better. Right. Because they can't imagine it happening to them. And so they have to say that. So that if they ever find themselves there, they feel like there was a, a purpose. And sometimes there's just not. Yeah, their, their purpose oh, is, is so that God shows up and saves the day. And the, do, you, do you think that part of it is like, well, I've like, if, if, if this doesn't work for you, because what I've found in my life, in my past is that, uh, well, well, if something, if it were to, like something bad were to happen, right? Because all this, and you have a hard time, it's because you didn't do something right. It's about punishment, reward and favor yeah. and all this weird, wacky yeah. shit. Yeah. That is such an anthropomorphizing, they're anthropomorphizing something that is not a person. Yeah. It's not a human being. Human beings have biological imperatives. They have an ego structure. They have like everything that we do is essentially, how do I get more food? How do I have sex? How do I get more food? How do I have sex? Like that's it. God doesn't have that. And, and you know, the, the God symbol because I, I think that that's a really great way to discuss it. The symbol of this force, this whatever this is, um, in, in the context of Christianity, or I don't know, pick a fucking one of these clubs. I don't give a shit which one it is, right? It's like, I am so glad that I didn't get stuck with that one. Because the one that I have makes sense to me um and then someone listening like well you're you've got the wrong one in your head and when you die boy are you gonna get it and that gives them solace that gives yeah. them solace so you're gonna get it when you're dead you're gonna see there was a there was a church uh, there is a church that i drive past on my way to work every day and for the first few weeks um after i went back i took two weeks off and then started going back to work and um on their little marquee out front, it said, um, God answers the prayers of the righteous. It's that kind of shit that is so fucking mean. It's mean. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, what? There is, there is nothing I could have done. There's nothing my partner could have done to stop this train. And feeling like taking on the burden and the guilt of also feeling like, well, did I, was I not good enough? Was I, right? was I, am I not righteous? Am I not, why, why did it, why did my partner suffer such a cruel, cruel, painful, sad death? The description I understand at this point is that, well, people die because they're in human bodies. And, you know, if you really wanted to add a lot of story to it, the soul finishes its work. And it doesn't postpone its dropping the body because you haven't worked out your attachments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And in the context I have now, 
you know, one of my, one of the things that's helping me kind of work through his passing from that perspective is at 32, he didn't have any regrets. Dude. You know, like he had worked through it. Yeah. He worked through that. But I think ultimately people want, they want to know that something happens after this because they're still attached to experience. They want more things. They want more sensation. They want more this. They want more that. I know that was my motivation when I really broke it down. I just wanted, you know, I wanted to fly through the ethereal astral plane and have more experiences, which is great. Maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I know that if I'm really attached to the next thing, like that is literally what Buddha warned against. Like, hey, you getting attached to any of these ideas is going to be very complicated. Well, because even if they are true for, or if they feel true for a time, they will likely change. And you yeah. have to be okay with we, it. We talked about that, about like the yeah. sensations that you're experiencing. And like, yeah. by the way, I, I mean, realized that, see, now you guys are seeing what it's like to talk to me about bullet points. <laughs> it's a fucking mess. <laughs> but it's great. I, uh, after my partner passed, um, I felt him in very, very, very specific ways. I mean, it yeah. was like, it was like, I mean, I could, I could energetically see him, you know, it, it wasn't the same, um, physical form I had been used to, but I, I could, I could point to it and say, like, when I would take a shower, I knew that he sat on the edge of the tub. I could see it. I could feel it. It was, it was damn near palpable i would my mom used to i would say catch, that. yeah it's it it was happening and i'm people would catch me nodding to myself and i didn't even know that i was doing it because he was talking to me mm-hmm. and it wasn't until they pointed it out that i even realized i was like having some sort of physical reaction it's changed now as we get further from the moment of death and at first you know, and I'm, I'm less concerned, I think, with the, with the truth, right? I'm less concerned with being right. right. All I know is that I'm open to a breadth of experiences along the journey that I don't care if they're right or not. I just want to understand how they fit into all of this. And so, yes, like, yeah. go ahead. No, well, I was going to ask you, so we've talked a little bit about that to have these experiences is great. Um, Are you going to be okay? And I've asked you this before. Are you going to be okay if or when they change? Yeah, I mean, they've they've already started to. And it was... Did that that have to do with our one session we did? It started before. Okay, and it's not my fault that you... (laughs) There was... um, a story that would take another hour for me to just tell you. So I'll tell you later, but, um, there was a moment, um, after two weeks after he died, that the craziest thing happened, the craziest actual experience happened. And it wasn't him, you know, hold on. Man is this the crazy one hour story? No, I'm not going to get into it. Is this part of it? 
No, 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 no. Oh, I was like, how the fuck are you going to just tease people with this bullshit? Oh, well, I mean, it would take, I don't want to add a whole other. <laughs> it wasn't cut like this thing up. It's not like we do what we want with it. Okay. So um, we had a, a, okay. Um, when I was, oh, okay. We were together, kind of, and he moved from Nashville to California when I was still in Atlanta. So we were already kind of long distance and we we're like, you know what, let's not be a thing while you go. I don't want you to be held back while you move out to California. I don't want to be held back while you're gone. So it was like, if this works out later on down the road, we'll, we'll meet each other along the way. So we kept in touch a little bit and I went to a, a, a really small music festival outside Athens, Georgia. And I guess it was 2016 maybe. And uh, there's a band that came on and they played the song called um, Friends, Lovers, Ex-Lovers, whatever. And it was a band called Susto. And I remember recording it. I still have some of the pictures on my phone um, of them playing the song. And I was like, oh, this is how I feel about my partner was that, you know, no matter what happens, I'll always love you and be here for you. And so I took a video and I sent it to him and we kind of started talking again. So fast forward to, you know, I, I moved to Nashville while he's still in California and um, I, I get a job up here and he flies to, now we're a couple, we're like official as a thing. And he flies home for my first birthday here. And this band, Susto, is playing a show on my birthday in Nashville, a free show. So we go and we listen to it and it was really cool being with him. Cause I was like, oh, this is kind of like a full circle moment, right? Like he, yeah. you know, you're gonna get to hear this band. And, and after hearing them live, he became a huge fan too. So they kind of became, became our like go-to band as a couple. And we saw I'm them. Curious. Yeah, so we saw them all over the country. Well, the Southeast, the country is, is, is <laughs> not accurate. <laughs> Um, but we saw them all over and, you know, we had fairly different tastes in music, but we could come together on a few things. Uh, one was Outkast <laughs> and one was Susto. And so we loved going. Um, and I start working at this hotel in Nashville. That's why I moved up here and we do a, a live music series and I am meeting with the, the girl that does the programming for the music and come to find out years down the road, it's the same girl that put on that music festival where I saw Susto for the first time. So four years later, I'm actually starting to work with this girl that put the show on. And it was the coolest thing. And so fast forward, we're in the hospital um, and I know that my partner's dying. I know that he's dying. And I don't want to admit it, but I know. And there's a song that just kind of like settles into the back of my brain and like, honestly, almost like into my bones. It's um, a song that they, that they wrote that's a, a meditation on death. And it's funny because they're all like ex-Christian kids that grew up like fucking Methodist and Presbyterian and they just fucking reject it. And what's interesting is it kind of has like a gospel sound, right? It's, it's, it's a gospel song, but it's not a gospel music. But it's about, I'm on a one-way road to my home on high. When I die, I'll be heaven bound. More not to see me go down that lonely road because when I'm gone, I'll make my peace be known. And it kind of talks about the process of, of dying. And like, you know, I see your 
I see your your pain turn to like diamond skies and as my soul takes flight from a darkened mind. Um, and we'll know that the day has come when this life has run and a fading sun guides its way back home. And so as he's dying, I'm hearing this come over me and I'm like, he's gone. He's, he's going, he's going. So he dies and the girl that I had worked with at the hotel, she reaches out to me and she's like, if there's anything that I can do for you, you know, please just let me know. And, um, she was like, you know, thank you. A lot of people say that. And I, I reached back out and I was like, you know what? I would love handwritten lyrics to that song. Um, and she made it happen. So the next week she finds herself in Nashville and she says, you're not going to believe this, but Susto is doing a pop-up show and um, I'm going and I would love for you to come if, if you're up for doing anything. And I, I toyed with it blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, there's a whole crazy complicated story of even like getting to the venue where they were playing. And I can picture my partner standing at the paranormal switchboard, like trying to make all of these things happen. Cause like shit kept going wrong, but it was kind oh, of- Oh, I, I was like, like, what's a paranormal switchboard? <laughs> yeah, right. So he's like, he's like, fuck, like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to tell her something. And I'm trying to make something happen. This is how I am perceiving it then and still do, you know, I even if it's just to make myself feel better, but I see him trying to like make it work. And what was funny is even in life that happened all the time, he tried to do something sweet and just kind of get it a little wrong. And it like, didn't work out as kind of <laughs> dear. And so we get to the, it turns out that this show is not a public event. It is an album release party for a, a different band and they've just invited some of their favorite people to come play oh, and no. it's like not yeah it's it's i have fucking no business being there so did you feel like and, you like walked into a party and weren't invited to yeah except i was wearing like a hipster hat so i like fit in with all the like bolo ties <laughs> yeah wide brimmed hat just kind of look good yeah in. oh yeah yeah the whole uh, thing the whole thing so i look ankle, like ankle boots yeah okay. yeah, yeah yeah probably um and <laughs> It's all like these music industry people. It's I like I said, I have no business being there. And and Libby, um, the the girl that I know, she she said, Look, I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna get there late, but I should be there in time for Susu to go on. Here's a little snapshot of of the lineup. And so you kind of know what time they're gonna go on. And I'm looking around this room and it is tiny. And and here's the other thing. I walk into the room when we get there. And on the wall are pieces of art that refer specifically to inside jokes with me and my partner, like what? framed on the wall. Okay. Yeah. So we, when he came to meet my parents for the first time um, in Atlanta, we went to an art museum and there was a, a, an exhibit on Howard Finster, the Reverend Howard Finster. And he's this crazy folk artist and he, You'll have to look it up later, but it was fascinating because he was crazy religious to a point of like looking like a madman. And I loved that. And so if you were to ask me like, you know, who's your favorite artist, I would say Howard Finster. And the first time I ever discovered him was at this, at this thing where my partner and I went together. There are two original Howard Finsters flanking either side of the stage. Um, there is a framed 
portrait of Merle Haggard, who is my dad's favorite artist. Um, and I actually bought dad tickets to go see him front row the last tour he ever went on before he died. I love this There's, stuff, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. There's a, a framed print that says, I love cornbread, which was a joke that um, it's my fucking favorite food. And I burned my hand on a cast iron skillet one time and he sent me two little oven mitts that looked like dinosaurs to like as a joke. So there's like all these really weird coincidences, very, very specific things. The show starts going and I'm looking around this room and it's tiny and I, I am familiar with some of the other artists. And so I'm looking around the room and I see these other people. I'm like, okay, that's that guy, that's that guy. And I look around and I do not see anybody from Susto. I don't see anybody. And I'm like checking their Instagram, trying to figure out if they're even in town and if they are where they are. And, and there's just like nothing about this event. And I'm like, I just can picture him like floating around the, <laughs> our world, right? This side of the veil. And he's like, but there's an email. And they said they were going to be there. And like, right, <laughs> like, and they just don't show up. And I'm like, this is cute. By, by this point, Libby has gotten there and she and I are talking and I'm, it's really emotional. And I get to kind of tell her what this has meant to me. And she is very kind. And she says, you know, the reason that you feel him so strongly is like, this is probably not the first time you guys have been spent a life together. And uh, she was like, I'm going to send you a book. Still haven't gotten it yet, by the way, Libby. Um, but she was like, it's going to freak you out, but just go with it. Um, you've probably done this a hundred times before. I don't know. She wouldn't tell me what it was because she didn't want me to look it up and get freaked out by it. I'll bet it's an Edward Casey book. He's so I'll find many, out for sure. Many something, many masters. I'm just gonna ask her at this point. It's been it's been wow. long enough. But um, so even just hearing her say, um, you know, I don't know. That just it helped kind of push the journey along more into yeah. like changing my mind on what I thought spirituality was, what I thought yeah. the afterlife was like. It's just kind of moving this whole thing along. There's other things that are happening in my life and. the last artist before the the main dudes plays and Suso doesn't show up. And I was like, well, it was still worth it. And the guys get up and they're like putting their instruments up and trying to get everything ready. And they're like, oh, actually we've got one more. <laughs> we've got one more artist that's gonna come up. And of course, sure enough, out of the corner of my eye, I see the lead singer Susto. And it turns out it's just like a one man thing. It's just him. Oh. And I, so he came he was just late because of course he was because that's how it always worked it just didn't happen the way that he was trying to make happen here's the craziest part so i'm already a little emotional it's been a whole whirlwind of thing and i've seen this guy play dozens of times looking at them right now. yeah they're super fucking cool um seen this guy play dozens of times i've seen him up close i've whatever. Um, but for the first time, because this venue is so small, because I'm not supposed to be there, <laughs> um, I see a tattoo on his forearm. It's like right, right here. And it says 519, never forget. 
and that's our fucking anniversary. <laughs> right? <laughs> so like how much fun is that? It's the most fun and it's I can point to it and be like all of these things are real these things are real. Now my yeah. my perception of how they're interacting is you know, its own thing. You know what though man like I've never like everyone's heard people say that time isn't linear and that it's and some people believe that it's stacked and it's a stack of things and it makes me wonder this is the fun like the fun thought of like I wonder right like so your timeline is somehow tied up into somebody picking Howard Finster artwork. But then what if that's not the only thing it's tied up in? What if like your story is this like just an like I don't even know how to explain it. Like I, I'm thinking of like a like a bicycle tire. It's like a spoke on this tire and like I don't know, man. And when we, I don't know even the words to fucking describe it, but you can't deny weird shit like that. And then, so uh, then you yeah. take that, and I'm supposed to make that fit into my religious framework? Right. <laughs> now, here's the thing that's really like freaky. Um, like, on one hand, it would be like, oh, so. The entire world essentially conspired because the death of your loved one is so fucking important that we're all here for this weird like yeah it's really essentially the, the Truman show but what if it's I hate to use the term butterfly <laughs> effect like it's all yeah. this just it's all just one thing happening and even if it's like your mind is picking up on things that, man, I don't even know. I love stuff like that that is just so fucking bizarre. And I love watching my stupid little ape brain try to like put it into, well, the Srimad Bhagavatam, it says that like, I, I love, I love that. But that's so here's, cool. Here's the other thing too. The next yeah. day I get in the car and I'm listening to, um, I put on Susto Radio because I am. I was going to say, if you're not listening to the same damn band, like I'm. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I go to their, their their Spotify page, and um, I go to their Spotify page. It's just their their profile. Um, and so I'm I'm playing their shit, and I am pulling into work. And this at this point, I've been listening to them for so long. I know everything, and yeah. this song comes on um that is not them and i'm like this is weird and it's literally like i probably the last two and a half minutes before i get out of my car to go to work and these are the it's it's a song called dancing around my grave never heard it before by a completely different artist but susto the, the dude from susto happens to be featured on it and i've never heard it before Always going somewhere. Yeah, I'm living fast. 90 miles an hour. No brakes, all gas. If I die tomorrow, don't come dressed in black. Need a couple favors instead of feeling sad. Tell my mom I loved her. 
tell my dad to, and to all my lovers, my words were true. And then the, the second verse is, I want pyrotechnics and a big parade, dressed up going nowhere, dancing around my grave. No surprise, I'm leaving. We all got to go. Might make it to 100, but then I'm ready for sure. Tell my kids I loved them and my grandkids too, and all my great-grandchildren, love what you do. And then there's a bridge and it says, if there's a heaven, then I hope I'll, then I know I'll see you there. But if this is, if, but if this is all we've got, then that's okay too, because our love was real. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Much fun. Oh, it's so cool. It's cool. You know, those things, it's, you end up just thinking like, well, I don't know, but I know it's bigger than what I was told. And that's the crux of the whole thing. So what if, you know, it's like, I think that when, when we look for, when we get caught up in trying to prove whether something's true or real or whatever, or literal, <laughs> yeah, you miss the whole fucking thing, man. Like, there is, oh my God, I just, um, there's a line in the song that I wrote a long time ago. And it was from this, um, this guy, it like all just, I totally forgot about it. There was this guy that was um, same lineage as me and stuff. We we're both in this Advaita Vedanta non-duality discussion group for a while. And he was much, much older than me, he's elderly. It was Dan in one time, and I don't know if this is from something, but he looked at me and he goes, have reverence for the mystery. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I was like, damn, Dan, if you weren't such an asshole. Um, <laughs> he was an absolute prick. But it's, <laughs> but that, um, yeah. Because one time a little song goes to me, because the term Kalesha, is anything that kind of keeps you from practice that keeps you distracted right yeah. or something like that and one day because i have this tendency to try to like explain everything right mm -hmm. and i try to know everything and i try to figure everything out and he goes you know what, keith sometimes needing to know is also a glacier yeah. yeah your story just really made me let go of a lot yeah so that's that's the like i don't know i needed that <laughs> i'm glad i told it i'm glad you made me tell it um i don't know i don't know what surrounds us right i just know that it is not what i was told it is not anywhere close to what i was told and i by relinquishing like, it was so fucking scary to think about losing the only framework I had to even consider spirituality. Did you feel like you were losing the framework then? It, until I jumped. I was afraid it would feel like that. You know what? I remember standing, this is so funny. I remember standing in a mirror and looking at it and going, Jesus is not the sun. God. So like say it over and over again. And it's so weird. People don't understand that when you're raised that way, it literally is life or death. 
you've been brainwashed to a point that you literally believe that, and, and then everything after this is now going to be a problem for you. And then that all things are possible through God. Do you know how many people are just simply giving like God or Jesus credit for something? Cause they think that it's like this lucky charm. That's like somehow gonna, I'm ranting. I'm sorry. Well, I'm interesting because I think it goes back to saying like, everything happens for a reason, right? Like, they they are asking a question or they're they're making a claim from the incorrect vantage point you know yeah when you say when someone says everything happens for a reason it's a very true real statement but for some reason when you say that people think they mean reason there's this mystical reason it's like uh well, he, he died and everything happens for reasons. Like, yeah, because autoimmune disorders happen and fucking people die from them. And that's how that works because the human body is terribly fragile and impermanent. When even from like the cosmic standpoint, it's like, sure, but you're not the first one to also believe that, right? Like you're not the first one to believe that everything, or you're not the only one to believe that everything happens for a reason. Right. And, and what that, I also get, you know, I get, um, I get angry, uh, not anymore. Cause I'm trying to work on that, but like, I, it's the tension when someone says, you know, well, God's going to carry you through this. And I'm like, that discredits all of the work I am doing. I think that something that's important or that's worth mentioning is kind of like the, the, the moment I guess I it was still like sort of standing in my parents kitchen was like all I had to do was ask you know let's let's play the game then right let's play the game so so my partner is dead he died he, he's not 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 come back it, we are past it his body has been literally incinerated we are past the point of anything right literally incinerated yeah okay so all right everything happens for a reason okay so from the from the from the christian context that i was raised in and people can have different christian experiences that were that were their own that weren't the same as mine but that i was raised in everything happens for a reason okay well what was the reason well the reason was so that you know his body could be used to advance you know, understanding of this disease. Well, it wasn't enough time. There literally, there's no, there's no data that's usable. Okay. So then what's the reason? Okay. We can't answer it anymore. There's not a, there's not a greater good reason. All right. So that one checks out, but let's, let's not even make it about me. Let's, let's put mine on the side. Okay. Um, I met a woman one time whose son died of a very, very horrific, rare childhood cancer at like three years old. Okay. Where's the greater good in that? This okay, well, gonna... the greater good, okay. well, the greater, greater good is, you know, well, maybe they can, maybe they can, you know, use, use his body or maybe their, you know, your experience can help someone else going through that. Okay. Well, why do they have to go through that? Like it, it, the, the, the dominoes just start to fall, right? It's like, if, if God is this, the one that I grew up being told about is this, just 
compassionate, loving father, right? Why, why does bad shit happen? And I remember, I remember talking to my mom about it and she was like, well, that's because we live in a fallen world. I was like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, if your answer comes to ultimately, you know, and we've talked about this. It's like, if, if it all ultimately comes to like, well, you know, you accept Jesus, right. As the, as the son of God, as, as the savior that died on the cross, because you know, whatever to, to take your place, he was a sacrificial lamb. Right. And it's like, okay, well, why did he have to do that? Well, because you are so um, inherently inadequate or evil or sinful or of original the flesh. Sin. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you, you are so, you are so far from God that, you know, Lord knows, no pun intended, you'd never be able to make it on your own. Okay, well, but if I'm also supposed to be created in his image, right? Like, why didn't he just make me decent then? It just doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. And what I, what I found myself saying, and will still say now is like, I'm not, I'm not against anything being true, including the things that I have just let go of. I'm not against that being at the end of the day, what ends up shaking out. You better hope. It's I just think it was, <laughs> well, I just think it was different than what I was told. I think it was different than how it was presented. And I, and and I think the way it's presented to us is, is inaccurate. Especially when you, I think you mentioned this in probably the first episode, but it's like, all of this is just a massive game of telephone, right? And we're trying to find different ways to describe it to different people. And like, you know, even in the, even in the Christian context, it's like, you know, you, you die to yourself, right? You die to your, your sinful nature and you, you, you know, you're trying to become more like God. You're trying to be, you know, Christ embodied or whatever. Well, that's the same thing as like letting go of ego, letting go of identity, being willing to let go. Like they're the same, they're the same tenants across all of this. So it's like, what, why can't we be open? Or my challenge was like, okay, why not just see what it's like? Because, because you know why you know why you're not allowed to look at other things and ask these questions and man it's i think the thing that's really interesting like i i don't spend as much time on i don't spend much time on god in my own personal life i just don't um god is going to be whatever god is i'm not really concerned with the punishment or reward aspect of this I don't believe that God is making decisions like that. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't fuck. I don't know. I know that I have a mind, and my mind creates a lot of traps. Yeah. That I get stuck in and snared in, and they create these attachments and all these things. I know that to be that is definitely real. Yeah. That definitely happens. Yeah. My life greatly improves not through God but through my own will, through working with my mind, because God knows I've prayed in my life at some point. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, the only time I really prayed in my life was when my dad was sick. So I didn't know what else to do. So I just prayed. Yeah. And you know, that prayer got answered. Or the oncologist was really aggressive. I don't know. But either way, 
you know, here we are, but I don't think that I willed my dad five years. I think that's the, usually the prognosis for this thing. Right. But either way, my, my heaven and my hell and my experience all is in, is within my own mind. Yeah. And I don't, it's, it's like, what's it saying? Not, not my will, but thy will, O Lord. I'm yeah. more of a not thy will, but my will. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, through my own persistent conscious effort, have I seen changes in my life, changes in the way my mind works, changes in the way my mind presents the world to me. Yeah. And none of that happened through prayer, through whatever, like it, it happened, you know, because I took up certain practices that gave me enough space that it, to me, if I want to be really honest, mm -hmm. the most beneficial thing I've done was mostly a cult show, which would be classified <laughs> as a cult stuff. To be perfectly honest with you, yeah, chaos magic was a has, has been a big help in my life. Um, reading Neville Goddard, uh, the hell's that one guy? Oh my God, Mitch Harwitz. Uh, mm -hmm. I love Mitch Horowitz. Reading a lot of his books have been very beneficial. And, and it's, that's part of that. And Anton LaVey's idea of Satanism is, is Satanism is essentially just a giant troll on Christianity. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, it's yeah, always like the joke. saying that, like, the, you know, the, like the, the, the Satans kept the Christian, they kept the church in business all these years. Right. Um, right. I like the idea, since we're here, I might as well say it. I like the idea of the adversary. Yeah. I like there the idea of, of, of Satan being the one that goes, I hear you, but what about this? Right? And, and a really fun, interesting fact, um, those of you that have accused me of being the Luciferian, here's one for you. Lucifer meaning light bringer, I'll take it. Um, Lucifer being referred to as the morning star associated with Venus, which is the morning star. And then Jesus is also called the morning star in the Bible. So that gets completely fucking weird. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I think it's all just one big thought exercise to fuck with. And sometimes our heart gets broken. <laughs> yeah. And you deny yourself and can also inflict a whole lot of pain on yourself by being too stubborn to be open to something different and that was another I, i've told you this you know like the i asked two sets of questions i asked why and then i asked says who you know and and i'm you know at times have struggled or, or felt felt guilty like i am finding this new life in the aftermath of my partner's death right i felt like do you really feel guilty about that not anymore okay. but i did i did i was like how can i be how can i be okay how can i be like excited about life and excited you, about go ahead because you were brought up in a binary way of thinking and, yeah. and the fact that like you're either good or you're bad, you're okay or you're not. The reality is, is that you're very sad. Yes. It's, it's a sad thing, but you I'm also have had beautiful experiences and 
this has like cleared up so many things for you and freed you up to live a life that you didn't have before that you couldn't have no, before. I couldn't have had, and I would never have had the, the courage or the gumption to do it. And now I do. So it's I possible have. for something to be, again, holding two opposing ideas in the mind at the same time. Yes. Joy and grief. It's, and I think, oh, is it in, and one of Ramdas's things in the in his new documentary, Becoming Nobody, and the audible talks that you can know, he says something like, "A baby's." And he's mentioned this in a lot of talks. Like, like if there was a baby born every forty-five seconds, are you happy? Of course, I'm happy. If there's a baby that dies every forty-five seconds, are you sad? Well, yeah, I'm sad. Well, which are you? Well, you're both. Both. It's horrible yeah. and it's fucking beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> You've had. And and I maybe this is, you know, because we've talked twice, so like you know, we've covered yeah. all of the really interesting wild shit. But like, you've had a very interesting experience. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you. You said the the why part of it, and I noticed this is a snag for a lot of people, is when we start asking, well, why, you know, and there's yeah. somebody who listens to this regularly who's the queen of the whys. And, um, and, and it, it, you know, why the soul, why the karma, why the mind? I, I don't know, but you've got a know. mind and it seems to be pretty powerful and it seems to be the key to a lot of the suffering. So I don't know, you could always just keep asking yourself why, or you could start working with it. Yeah. That I've, I've really let go of a lot of the why. I think why is an important question in, um, in choosing what you want to hold. I don't think why is a helpful question when you're trying to like, just fucking live. Explain why is it when you say something trying for your whole time? So if you're like, if you're like, you know, I'm trying to think of a good way to like, like an analogy, like, if you're moving, right, and you pick up everything you own and you're deciding whether or not you're going to take something with you, a lot of shit you're going to throw out, but a lot of things you're going to bring with you. Well, why are you bringing that with you? Oh, because it's valuable to me. Oh, because it's, it's you know, it it's important. It's something I've, I've, I want to bring with oh, me. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so when we're evaluating, like, what we choose to bring along, then I think why is important because you can only carry so much or else you're going to get totally bogged down. But when it comes to moving forward, you can why yourself out of a lot of really beautiful experiences because a lot of them, you, there's not an answer. Just fucking do it. Yeah, like just the story it. you told us, it's like, it's just a big, weird, well, it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. It's you crazy. Know, and there, I, I think the problem would be if you try to create, create a whole belief system around it and also try to figure out the metaphysics of it and instead just have the experience and just be like that was really wild and special and okay there's nothing more real than your own experience right and i'm not i don't want to try to like i don't want to try to like tailor make my own experience of the universe like i don't think that's that seems narcissistic and not like not good but I am realizing that if we're trying to fit everything we experience into one book or box or timeline or whatever, 
you're going to be unfulfilled. You're going to run into tension and you're going to run into things that, that are uncomfortable and not in the way that yields growth, but in a way that's like, that kind of gnaws at you in the back of your mind forever. Yeah. But when you, when you open your hands to, and kind of like, you know, take the wool from your eyes, it's like, all of these things can exist simultaneously. Yeah, I, 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 I think that that to me is the biggest problem, especially like whether it's like, well, it seems to be everybody's problem is that, you know, that's why, you know, Buddha is called, you know, at the middle way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's awful and it's beautiful and it's hard and it's, you know, it's easy and it's, well, that's when you ask yourself, says who? Yeah. Right? Says who? What if parts of the Christian tradition are correct? Okay. Okay. But fine with me. What if parts of the Buddhist and Hindu and all the occult? What if part of that? Okay. Sure. Says who? Who says it has to be one way? Other than the people that are so entrenched in those doctrines that they would never be able to say anything else. I, th I think that's why... when you look at like this that that there is barely an objective reality and that very few things actually have existence and that hopefully you know when i talk about that it's the hope that you can find some freedom in the fact like that last episode called nothing i listened to that today yeah that like it's all just empty and use it as you see fit fill it with whatever you want Right. Yeah. And someone could say, oh, but that's, well, that's not true because it's not what it says here. That's not what it says here. Well, I don't know, man. And the only reason they care to make the delineation is because of the afterlife. Because they're yeah. scared of going to the reward, the punishment and the reward. Or that yeah. this is their, so that essentially is the fear of pain and discomfort. You know, instead of making friends with your pain and your discomfort and becoming, you know, you could sit with them you know, you're taught to kind of, you know, avoid it. Yeah. If I hadn't been terrified of hell, I would have made this jump a long time ago. But I was terrified. Yeah. Yeah, there was things. I remember really being drawn to um, things outside of the Christian tradition. And um, uh so, like like I found a book called Buddha and Jesus Conversations. Like I felt like, oh, it's okay because here's a mythical, uh, a fictional story about Buddha and Jesus talking about how similar they are. And then it was, oh, Thomas Merton likes Buddhism. So that must make it okay too. And, you know, it, it was this fear of completely letting go of the side of the pool, yeah. you know, or there was a great quote about like, that adventure doesn't start till you can't see land or something like that. Yeah. Like you get so far offshore that you don't even recognize anything. And I think that, um, but, but back to what you're saying that, that this, the motivation for so many of these things seems to be the fear of punishment, retribution, the fear of difficulty, the fear of pain, you know? And I feel like, what if you, you know, you're okay with a certain amount of discomfort and you get okay with it. and 
don't know, because that seems to be that that first noble truth that life is fundamentally dissatisfying or fundamental suffering that like at any moment, there's always a dissatisfying feeling. And that what perpetuates that dissatisfaction is grasping and clinging, you know, and that the and only way to mitigate is, that is through the mind. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think you can just go there until shit hits the fan and your life falls apart. And you're left like trying to figure it the fuck out. And if I, if this had never happened to me, if this experience of losing the love of my life seven weeks to the day before we were supposed to get married, I don't think, I think I would have just stayed stuck in that, you know, kind of like lukewarm, tepid, like not really kind of scared to live, you know, scared to embrace change and something different in it, but shit hit the fan. Yeah. And I was left with just shattered pieces of my entire life. So I want you to tell me how it's beautiful now. Like what's the... When you... There's a difference between like, you know, fear keeps you clinging to the side of the pool, right? And so yeah. all of your energy is focused on just not letting go. And imagine like if you're, if you're holding on to something so strongly, you're not moving. There's no room for movement or fluidity. You're stuck there. Yeah. But when you let it go, there are things that can happen in your life that you never would have anticipated because you thought it was one way or the other. I thought before my partner died that if he died, there's no way I would ever be able to get over it. I was like, I'm going to be fucking depressed. I'm going to, I'll probably quit my job. I'll probably move back in with my parents. I'll probably like do all this stuff. Well, then it happened. He died. And nothing on my radar prepared me for how beautiful it's actually ended up being. Ended up being. You know, I'm, I'm doing things that I never, ever would have done. I'm learning how to drive his race cars. I'm, I'm saying yes to all kinds of shit. I'm taking a dumpling making class tomorrow night. I, I, I started taking a pottery class because it's something I'd always wanted to do, but just never made the time for. Well, guess the fuck what? You might not have as much time as you think. So fucking take the pottery class, take the trip, do the thing, go fast, be, live, live that big life you never thought that you could, because as soon as you let go of what's keeping you stuck, it's not keeping you safe, it's keeping you stuck. It's keeping you stuck. So let it go. And all you had to do was lose the love of your life. Uh, I've always believed that grace is suffering. That you don't, you're not going to, and I see this with people every day at my job, you're not going to do shit until the pain gets so excruciating that you're willing to move. Everything. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's interesting you know i was like you know if i'm if i'm breaking shit apart let's break it all you know it's the um the plane is in the air and you have choices to like what are you going to do on this flight you gotta become a victim and start some weird blog about grief and then hey sometimes it's helpful for other people (laughs) that's right but then what are you gonna do when your grief goes away you gotta have trouble writing about you write on it you know what i mean like you some people create a life around their suffering yeah you know and that's dangerous because that's because your suffering and grief is impermanent too yeah everything changes yeah everything changes and i think I think it's also important to note that like just because the grief goes away doesn't mean it's not going to come back. It's all going to come back. It's going to, it's going to ebb and flow and show up and you're going to have moments where you're sad. You're going to have moments where you're sad. So do you think that maybe, I don't know, fuck, let's, let's, let's be, uh, let's be, um, let's say when you're 40, do you think you'll still be having to? I think I will always miss my partner. I'll miss him as a person in my life. You know, I, I'll, I'll miss. Really? Yeah, I think so. But I so think we're going to have to stay in touch for 10 more years. <laughs> so that I can be like, hey, remember that time you told me? <laughs> yeah, but I, and I think this is where I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little behind on, on all the shit you're putting down, but like, no, I'm I think a crazy there's... person. I, I believe <laughs> okay. I've been very clear about that. I'm not fuck. I think there's a difference between mourning, like grief and mourning. And also just honoring and acknowledging the beautiful person that's in my life for a very long time. That... That's, that's one thing. But what if, mm-hmm. what if like 10 years down the road, you've got, you know, maybe this kid running around and you've met this dude and like, you're so in love and you've got this beautiful life. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would turn into, God, I really miss my partner? Or do you think it would no. be like, what do you think it would look like that? I, I think, and maybe that's where the, the discrepancy is. It's like, I know. It's just thought accept. exercise. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Sure. I know that my partner will, he will not be, he'll never be my husband, right? We didn't get there. He'll never be the father of my children. He'll never be, and that, that's painful for me right now. But I, I, I think that when I am 10 years down the road and I've had someone else do those things and fill that role, I'm not, I'm no longer going to mourn the fact that my first partner couldn't couldn't do that or wasn't there i think i'll just still just miss having him around you know like going to dinner or like going to i don't know i think i think i'll always miss him i always that, that does, I, that, this is interesting to me because all of this is very interesting yeah because yeah. you said yeah. something really wild one day you were like i'm you're crying like he's not going to get to meet his children I know. Like, I, mean, I, was, I was like, do you hear what you're saying? Yeah, I know. I <laughs> yeah, know. it's it's craziness. We say wild shit. And it's yeah. okay. Like, 
I'm still very much in the aftermath of this. Yeah. It was months ago yesterday that he. Died. Everyone I work with would tell me not to talk to you about this. Well, no one but else is me. So fuck I'm, him, I'm off the clock. Um, yeah, right. So, like, all of this is still very fresh, and there, there are moments where, like, you know, I, I, I let myself feel the sadness. You know, it's okay. It's okay to it's okay to feel the sad feelings. You can be sad and it not be painful. One of the reasons I wanted to record this because we had talked was that, um, because those of you that wonder when I say that you can talk to me, like she'll tell you, I'll, I'll fucking yeah. call you. I don't give a shit. I'll call you and we'll just fucking talk. Yep. Um, but uh, that for people to hear that like it is possible you know, that, that it's possible to, to be both sad and have an experience. And, and that one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because it is so fresh and yeah. so interesting to me. You know, I'm, I'm a very curious person. That's why I ask you questions that people have probably like, why the fuck is you being like that? It's because <laughs> you're all thinking it, motherfucker. And so I want to yeah. ask her and, um, you know, and, and it's rare to get to talk to somebody that you don't know uh, yeah. this close to such a horrific fucking death. And um, these are, this is how we learn things. Um, I'm not afraid to ask weird questions and um, point out strange things because I do realize other people are gonna listen to this. Um, that's interesting to me. I think mass massive change requires massive change. Right, yeah. like, uh, I, I, how, how else? My whole life changed in fifteen and a half, fifteen and a half minutes it took for him to die. You know, it. It's that's a wild from, story you told too. For my own, <laughs> yeah. for my own uh, selfish reasons, everything that we went over in our session, are you? What are? Where are you with all of that? Oh, as far as processing the moments of him like dying. Yeah. Is um, it different? What's the difference? Yeah, it's different. It's so different. Okay. Um, I. That's something else everyone I work with would be like, this is too fresh. Don't get near it. Like, ah, fuck off. Well, so, and maybe, maybe in the normal case, but I just don't think I'm the normal case. You're, I, literally, I don't... you're absolutely not. We also talked before and I was like, this chick is like on some yeah. shit. So let's just do yeah, this. I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm all in um yeah uh but yeah so the i could i could come to terms with um everything that wasn't death right i could come to terms okay. with an empty house i could come to terms with him not being in my day-to-day -day life i could come to terms with not hearing his voice again, like speaking to me. I, 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 but I could not process the death, you know? And every time I thought of the hospital or I would hear a, I'd hear a beep, you know, that sounded like the fucking monitor or I would hear, yeah. you know, I, I, it was, I was reliving like every time I found myself saying, I can't believe he's dead. I can't believe he's dead. was just, it hurt just as much every time. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't believe he's dead. And so it's like, 
okay, he's dead. I have to like consider the fact that he's dead. And it was just this like, I'm considering the fact that he's dead. He's that's too much. I can't deal with that right now. And then it just kept like coming up, you know, the spikes kept like the wheel kept turning and the spikes kept hitting. And it was getting so much worse because it was exhausting. It was like, I couldn't really get out of it. And so now being able to having been able to go back to that moment and like put it away to the other side of my brain where it belongs where it's not and it's not like I'm and I think this is critical to just because you've processed it doesn't mean you're like throwing it away like you're not right just because you're not like it doesn't feel like a gut punch every time you think about it. Doesn't mean that it's not still very much present and part of your like pain doesn't you know. equal love. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and so here's using that same example of like asking says who, right? It's like I'm I'm no longer experiencing pain at the thought of my partner's death. Any if I were to say that to any normal person, they'd be like well, that's not healthy. Well, you should still be sad, right? Or you should still be in pain. And I would right. say, says who? Right. Very important. Again, death is the symbol. It was yeah. imbued and filled with other people's karma, other people's meanings. These things. So what we did, you and I, as my uh, sec- my first real Zoom mm-hmm. session with what I do, and I had one that was before that, but it was only 20 minutes, but this was like a very intense thing, um, was that the mind was in the past and stuck in the moment of death, right? And so every time the mind pulled up that information, the body responded to it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we bring the mind to here, right now we're here, it's not happening. And now it's allowed. So it's like, okay, it doesn't mean that you're glad it happened. No, it still sucks. But your mind is here now. Your mind knows that it's here now. It's not there. So it's not reliving that traumatic moment. Because the moment, it was very rough. Oh, my God. What you described was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know, it's... It was awful. And, and, you know, for a long time, and even, you know, even now, like, I don't tell everyone, you know, people... People say that they want to be there for you and that they can handle all of it. They fucking can't. How, can't. how am I supposed to? They're going to project their shit onto you and that's what it's going to be. How am I supposed to explain to a friend of mine who's not in the same, you know, experience as I am that, yeah, I listened to the love of my life struggle for breath for 15 and a half minutes and I knew he was dead because he quit breathing. Like, how, you, you... I know that the time of death they called was a couple minutes off because he was gone. He was dead by the time they got in that room. You know, um, like, yeah. very interesting. it's awful. In um, that, go ahead. I want to ask you a question. The picture mm-hmm. of the bed and the, and the death, is that gone? Is it, what is it now? Is it? Um, when you think of it, what's the memory like? Do you feel anything? Like, what's the? 
I don't. So two things happen. Okay. My first image still is, um, it is him, but it is no longer painful. Okay. Then what happens immediately after, and it's, it's almost like, I hardly even hate, I, I almost hate separating them, but it's like, I do, I do see him. Right. And I'm like, okay, but I, there's a calm, there's a peace. There's no, it's not, um, it's not upsetting anymore. And then it is yeah. instantly followed by, you know, the light, the, the, the bright light, you know, and, and the light doesn't even, even exist in the hospital bed anymore. It's its own thing. And it's just this, really fluid smooth transition and um isn't that interesting like yeah all we had to do is get your conscious mind out of the way (laughs) yeah well and like that's the thing is like you know who says i should be the morning wearing all black widow and Not you have, anything. You, and you've had these people judge yeah, the yeah. way you're grieving, judge the way it's because they're attached to the symbol. Yeah. And I, I, I even picture, I'm like, I imagine them, like, what would it be like if they were describing my grief to someone else? They would say, using the judgment that they've expressed at me. It's not like I'm like coming up on my own. It's like, well, she's just, you know, she's just moving on way too quickly. She's moving on far too quickly. I just, you know, I, it, it upsets me that she is. I'm like, well, says who? It's uncomfortable because it's it, it's this thing where like people we're constantly projecting like our shit onto other people. It's a really great way for you to put it because and you, you can see that like and when are we not doing that? Like every judgment we have about somebody is always just like what our mind and again like I said that somebody told them that it's supposed to happen this way and this is what it looks like and and it just doesn't have to no and it's not what my partner would have wanted either that's you know that's that's a little it's usually where you know that's interesting because usually when i do those grief and loss things with people i have to put that in there and i yeah you had to do it with me but a little bit at least it it didn't feel as um, like you weren't getting it. Yeah. Like you. Well, well I, I, I had him tell me he had no regrets, right? Right. That he lived a bomb ass. And, and not, not everyone gets that sort of right. uh, closure with, with a loved one's passing. It's, it's, sometimes it's not that at all. Sometimes it's the exact opposite, and they have to live with that. No, fuck, kind of, which is a very difficult thing to. Uh, that to do. I, that would be incredibly difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just. You also have to know that, the people that judge or criticize you in this in this process or in this journey, they don't know the work you're doing on your own. Right. They don't know what you're doing when you get home. They don't know what you're reading they don't know what they're what you're watching what you're listening to because so much of this has been listen i've been an overshare my whole life i feel like everybody knows everything about me this process has been i've been very protective of it right like i'm like until i don't huh until right now 
yeah, Raheem, where I'm telling you all these, yeah. But as far as like people in my, listen, That's I don't right. care about you. I don't care about the criticism of a stranger. You don't, you don't know uh-huh. what this has been like. But even the people in my life that have expressed that, it's like you, this is such a sacred journey for me, such a sacred path that I'm on. Like, it's not my job to tell you everything I'm doing to get there. It's that just, is, it's the most important spiritual moment of your life. Yeah. Dealing with, um, you know, do you hear that? It's always something. It's either race cars or firework all the time. <laughs> um, they're festive people. But um I'm in Florida, so <laughs> yeah, I'm in South Florida. It's yeah. Um I love it. It's just sometimes you have to play that game of like, was that what was that? Um yeah, it's interesting, man. Like you've really uh you've embraced it. I think that it's I think uh I think you're gonna be okay. I'm certain I'm certainly glad we've had to have the we've gotten to have the talks that we've had and you know I um you know I hope that anything was ever helpful. I I know I'm I'm trying to like rehash in my head what we talked about and I'm like God I hope that there's some semblance of cohesion. You know, I just I don't know. I'm just gonna put I'm just gonna post it and like be like, oh fucking listen to it. So that's it for my first interview episode. I I hope it was helpful. I hope that you found it beneficial. Um, I have some more, um, some recordings of our Zoom conversation that I'd like to release as well. So I'm sure there's a part two coming. Um, And as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. As I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being in all of its facets, please do so at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com where there's a link to the Patreon as well as a link to the books, uh, other merch, shirts, tank tops, yada, yada. Um, And as usual, don't forget, you can always reach out and talk to me as this person found out. We're old friends. Don't be weird about it. Bye. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. 
New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.